You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Good morning. Great to have all of you here this morning. Well, hey, uh, many of you know I recently uh, just came back from kind of doing a spiritual retreat uh, in Kansas City, and um, I, it was just, I didn't realize it until I really got there how desperately I really needed that. It so resonated with what Pastor Mark was talking about last Sunday, and it kind of gave me kind of almost a framework to kind of understand where I was spiritually. And um, he kind of talked about, you know, when Peter got out of the boat to walk on the water with Jesus, you remember the kind of the waves came and Peter kind of got into fear. And Pastor Mark kind of talked about how he, he began to sink. And our experience of getting out of a boat onto water sinking is it's just immediate. I mean, you step out, boom, you're at the bottom just like that. And, but Mark kind of talked about that really what happened to Peter was it wasn't a, you know, sudden drop. It was just this gradual sinking. I was just like, oh, that just kind of described my heart, my spirit. It just kind of described where I had been before I left. I didn't realize just because it was so gradual how far I had really sunk spiritually. I kind of really began to see that so much of what I was doing as a pastor, as a Christian, so much of it was just my own strength, my own effort, and didn't really realize how much I really needed to just get away and just to just say, God, I just need you to refresh, to renew, to restore. And so that was kind of just um, the... Uh, beginning, and God just met me in a million different ways, and uh, I want to share a lot of that um, with you. Uh, I'm still kind of in the process of, you know, just kind of sorting through all of that, you know, kind of what God was doing uh, in this and what God was doing in that, but there was just one truth that God really confirmed in my heart over and over, and that is, is the worst parts of you will always, always, always encounter the best parts of God. I found those places where I had just really kind of developed a hardness of heart. When I just got in God's presence, I just encountered the tender heart of God. And in that, God kind of just began to soften my heart towards him. Those unlovely places in me, when I just got in God's presence, um, I didn't get a lecture. I didn't get guilt or shame or condemnation. I just began to encounter afresh and anew God's loving heart towards me. And God is so good in that way that he longs to encounter you and me with his kindness, no matter how unkind we may be. As we encounter God, you know, in places of hopelessness, God encounters us as the God of all hope, the God of all grace, the God of all mercy. And as you just encounter his heart for you, he just has this way of kind of just moving you into a better place. Amen. Let's just pray for a moment. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you will release your heart this morning over your people. That God, no matter how we may be coming to you this morning, 
Father, that we would encounter you. The God of all love. You are love. And God, you long to reveal. And God, you long to demonstrate and to show your great love over us. So God, this morning as we come, I just pray, God, that we would encounter you in the fullness of your love for us. Father, I thank you, Lord, that there is an anointing that you have given and you place upon the preaching of the word. But even greater than that, God, there is, there is an anointing, God, I believe in this place. Where by the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, God, you desire to move in greater power. That, God, I believe you desire to want to move in the miraculous, God, through signs and through wonders, through healing, through deliverance this morning. And so, Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would come, not through any strength of mine, but, God, that you would come in my places of weakness. God, you would come in my places of brokenness. And, God, that you would demonstrate yourself strong on my behalf. And so, Father, come. Just encounter us this morning. And, God, just reveal yourself to us afresh. And anew, and we just pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I want to just share a testimony with you of just one of the ways that God really met me during my time away. Now, I don't have a lot of dreams. I'm not a, I'm not a dreamer at night. And Janie is. I mean, Janie, sometimes she will wake up and have had like 10 or 15 different dreams. And some of them are just so bizarre. Some of them, God really actually uses to kind of speak to her about direction um, in her life. I don't dream. I mean, I rarely ever have dreams. But when I do, they are usually very, very vivid. They're very clear. They're very detailed. I mean, I can remember them with just a lot of detail. Again, it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it really resonates very, very strongly with, within me. And I, and I tell you that because just a few days before I was getting ready to leave on this retreat, I, I'm, I kind of went to this retreat, and I'll be honest with you, I was going to be gone for eight days. I've never done that before. My heart, as I'm kind of getting ready to go, my heart is like, Man, I, eight days, it is just such a long time to be away, to be away from my family, to be away from my job, and I'm just thinking, oh, eight days, it's going to be so long. I mean, I got there on day two, I'm saying, is eight days going to be enough for God to do what needs to be done in me? So before I'm getting ready to leave, when I, I just had this very, very vivid dream. And in this dream, I had this uh, picture of something being pulled out of my left ear. And it was just kind of like, it was just like somebody was just pulling on something that needed to come out of there. And, and it didn't hurt, but it was kind of uncomfortable. There was just resistance. And I kind of just felt myself in the dream kind of just saying, just rip it out. Just get it out. Pull hard. You know, kind of like you do if you've got a Band-Aid over a wound. Rather than just try to gently peel the bandage, you just rip it off. That's kind of what I wanted him to do in my dream. Just get it out of my ear. And then I woke up. Now, 
My left ear is pretty significant to me because I'm deaf in my left ear. If you don't know that, it's a good thing probably to know about me because oftentimes people will come up to me on my left side. And if I don't see you, if I don't have, you know, contact, you know, eye to eye with you, you could come up to my left side and start talking to me. And I, in the past, just have walked away from people mid-sentence and they're just kind of stunned. And they, you know, sometimes get offended and they just think that I'm being rude and I just didn't hear them. So that's a good thing to know. If you come up on my left side, make sure I'm looking at you. So again, the left ear is pretty significant for me. And like I said, I just felt that there was kind of just this uh, resistance um, in whatever needed to come out of that left ear. So I'm at the conference, and it's on what we would call the prophetic. And if you're not familiar with that idea or that concept, it's okay. I'll kind of talk a little bit more about that um, in, in coming weeks. But following the teaching time on Monday or Tuesday, um, we were asked to partner up with someone and pray with them. And so we had kind of been learning about the prophetic, and so we were just being given an opportunity to kind of begin to put into practice what we were learning. And so kind of what we had learned that day was that, you know, when you're wanting to kind of operate in the prophetic, one of the questions you can ask God, because the prophetic is really just a word from God for someone, and oftentimes that word is for edification, encouragement, and comfort. And so we were supposed to just partner up with somebody and just ask God, God, what would you want to say to this person through me? And we were just supposed to just, you know, wait on God and see what God would give us. Would God give us a picture, an impression? Would he give you a scripture verse? And there's just a number of ways that God can move in, in that prophetic. And so we were, we were asked to team up with somebody and so there was a, a, a woman uh, there, uh, she was from England, and she didn't have anybody, I didn't have anybody, so we kind of just partnered up, and we're kind of sitting there, and she, you know, introduced herself and said she was, you know, from England, and my thought, my first thought was, well, you know, if nothing else, I mean, if nothing really comes of this, it'll just be kind of cool to hear her pray in her English accent, you know? So I'm like thinking, if this is as good as it gets, I'm okay with that. It'll be good. It'll be good. So we kind of, as we introduced each other, our, ourselves to each other, we kind of both just, you know, admitted that this was really new to us and that we really didn't feel all that comfortable with the prophetic. That's why we were here to kind of learn how to flow in that a little bit more, you know, confidently. And we both kind of felt like we were, you know, novices and amateurs at this. And so as we're kind of talking, what we're doing is we're just, we're just setting each other's expectations to be very low. So, you know, if nothing happened, yeah, we kind of, you know, expected that. And, and so we kind of just, as we're talking, we're both just talking about how uncomfortable we are with doing this. And so we kind of just decide, okay, let's just go ahead and pray and let's just ask God, God, is there anything that you have for this person that you would want me to say to them? So we're just kind of praying and I'm sitting there. The only thing that came to mind for me was a scripture from Romans 8.28 thinking, okay, you know, for we, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. I said, okay. 
So we get kind of done, and I said to her, the only thing I got for you was this scripture verse from Romans 8.28, and I kind of, you know, quoted it to her, and she said, thank you, you know, I received that. And then she says, you know, again, just kind of reiterating, I just don't have any confidence in this. I, I just feel awkward in this. I, I've never done this. And she said, I really don't have anything for you. She said, the only thing that God brought to my mind was she said a couple of days ago, she said, I had this really weird, bizarre dream. I've never had a dream like this before. And she said, it was a dream about a left ear. And she said, I have no idea what it was about or what it means. Folks, I about fell out of my chair. She's sitting behind me. I think she was behind me and off to my left side. And she went on to say, she said, all morning during the morning teacher teaching, she said, I just kept staring at your left ear. Isn't that weird? I'm like, yeah, that's weird. So I immediately, I told her about the dream I had had prior to coming to the conference, how I was deaf in my left ear. And now I'm at this point, I'm thinking one of two things is about to happen here. Either God is going to restore my physical hearing or God wants to open my spiritual ears so that I can hear him more clearly or both. So by this time, I am just overwhelmed by God's presence. So she lays her hands over my left ear, and she just prays for me. And in the natural realm, it, it, it just seemed to me nothing happened. So again, I just used the encounter as a way, again, to encourage her heart. Because remember, my word to her was God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I said, you do hear from God. God is wanting to use you in the prophetic. I mean, I, and I did everything I could just to strengthen her heart because, again, we were both just so nervous and just felt awkward about this whole thing. And yet, here God had moved powerfully um, in that. So I wanted to use that, again, just to reiterate and just to strengthen her heart and her confidence in how God was um, using her. Now, that was Tuesday afternoon. Fast forward to Wednesday afternoon. I'm heading back to the hotel after the teaching time um, just to get some rest. I get out of my car, and I start walking toward the entrance of the hotel. And out walks these two people I did not know, I had never ever met them in my life before. And immediately, I began to have a very judgmental, a very condemning and accusatory word came to me about them. It was, it, it was just kind of like they, they walked out and all of a sudden this voice in my head just started accusing and judging and criticizing them. And my, I immediately resisted. And I, I just felt myself saying, where did that come from? I don't even know these people. Where is that coming from? It, it shocked me. And all of a sudden, 
God just breaks in and says to me, what you are hearing is the voice of the accuser of the brethren. And the reason, Jeff, you don't hear from me, the reason you don't hear my voice as fully, as clearly, as deeply as you long to is because you're constantly listening to and hearing the voice of the accuser of the brethren. Now, let me just stop here, and I want to just give you a context for that phrase, accuser of the brethren. In the book of Revelation, the apostle John, who's a disciple of Jesus, He's imprisoned on the island of Patmos, and he's there uh, serving a sentence for his witness, his testimony concerning the risen Christ. And while John's there on the island of Patmos, you'll remember, he has this revelation, this vision of Jesus Christ in all of his glory. Now, in chapter 12, there is this war that is being waged against Michael the archangel and against Satan and a host of, of demonic beings. And so I want to kind of just pick that up in chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. And there it says, and the great dragon was thrown down. The serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels, demons, were also cast down with him. Then I, now this is, this is the apostle John talking here, John says, then I heard a voice from heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. Now get this, who accuses them before our God day and night. Now John is painting here a very vivid, a very detailed picture of one of the ways the enemy, Satan, kind of operates not only in the presence of God, but, but among us um, even here today. And one of the roles of the devil, Satan, that he, that he plays not just in the courts of heaven, but also on the kingdoms of this earth, is he is continually, constantly making accusation against me, accusation against you before God the Father. And it says this goes on day and night without end. So if you're a Christian, the devil is standing before God, and he's saying things like, God, look at Jeff there. I mean, he claims to be a believer in you, and yet, God, look at how he lives his life. Did you see what he did the other day when he thought no one was looking? He's such a hypocrite, God. He tells other people that he loves you, and yet look at how he treats people. He has lustful thoughts. He gets angry and impatient. He's envious of others and the things that they have. He's a lousy father. He's a terrible husband. And good heavens, God, did you see the thoughts he had about those people in that parking lot? People he didn't even know. God, is this the best you've got? Is this what it is to be a believer? 
I could go on, but I think you get the point, or at least I hope you get the point, because if I go on any more about my failures and shortcomings, there'll be a stampede toward the exits. But the Bible says this accusation against me and against you, against God's redeemed, goes on day and night. It never ends. The accusation of Satan against me and against you goes before our God 24, 365, round the clock. And he accuses you before the Father and he accuses others to you in your thoughts and some of his most vicious, venomous accusations are against you. And he speaks those accusations to your thoughts. It's not just happening in the courts of heaven. It's also happening in the courts of our thoughts. And right there in that hotel parking lot, I had heard the voice of the accuser regarding that couple I had never met and knew nothing about. And God just broke in, and he just impressed upon me right then and there. And he said, Jeff, the reason you don't hear my voice is because you're too preoccupied listening to the voice of the accuser, the one who makes accusation against others, those you know, those you don't know, the one that makes accusation against you. And he said, you will not hear my voice You will not hear my thoughts regarding others, precious and innumerable as they are. He said, you'll never hear my voice as long as you're listening to the voice of the accuser of the brethren. God said, do you realize how I have longed to give you words to people like that? But you're so quick to listen to the voice of the accuser of the brethren that before I can ever give you a word of encouragement or exhortation or edification for them, the enemy has already spoken and you're all ears. And until you stop listening to that voice, you will not hear my voice regarding you or anyone else. I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm ashamed to admit this. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've been a pastor for 20. And I'll just tell you what, my whole life, I have had very critical, very judgmental, and very accusatory thoughts regarding people I know and people I don't know. But let me tell you something. It's nothing compared to the voice of accusation I have heard regarding myself. Some of Satan's best criticism, judgment, and accusation are the words he's leveled at me. The voice of the accuser would often say things to me just over the years in many, many different ways, things like, Jeff, you're a horrible person, you're a terrible pastor. You're unfriendly and a jerk. 
that teacher that told you that you'd never amount to anything in life, she was right. God is so ashamed of you. You've blown it in so many ways, so many times. God wants nothing more to do with you. You've blown it. You might as well just go and live what life you've got left with gusto. Because God will never forgive you for all the things you've done, especially the things you've done after you claim to be a Christian. So as a matter of fact, you're a stain on the body of Christ. But these are some of the nicer things. That voice, the accuser of the brethren, tells me. And for some reason, this thought that I was hearing, the voice of the accuser of the brethren, never occurred to me. And I don't know why. When God confronted me with the reality of that, right there in that parking lot at that hotel, I immediately repented. And God literally delivered me right on the spot from hearing the voice of the accuser of the brethren. I mean, it, it was just instantly gone. And there was just this silence. Never heard that before. And I just stood there. And I know that word deliverance for a lot of people conjures up, you know, images of your head spinning and spewing out green stuff. That's the stuff of Hollywood. God's ways of deliverance are so much more gentle and so much kinder. God wants to deliver us like he did me from hearing that voice of the accuser of the brethren who is making accusation against you, against those you know and against those you don't know. And God wants to deliver you out of that so that you can begin to hear his voice. Jesus said in John chapter 10, in four places, in verse four, he said, verse three, he says, the sheep hear his voice. Jesus compares believers to sheep. And he said, his sheep, people who believe in Jesus, they'll hear his voice. In verse four, he says, the sheep follow him because they hear his voice. In verse 16, he said, they will hear my voice. And then again, in verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice. Four times in one chapter, Jesus makes it plainly clear. My sheep, those who are called by my name, hear my voice. But until we silence the voice of the accuser of the brethren against us, against those we know and against those we don't know, it will be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to hear his voice. Psalm 139, verse 17, I love this. This is a beautiful, beautiful declaration of God's heart toward us. He says, how precious, this is David writing, he said, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. God thinks precious thoughts towards you and I. And David goes on and he says, how vast is the sum of them. He's asking, how, how voluminous 
are the thoughts, the precious thoughts that God thinks towards you. And David says, as a matter of fact, if you were to try to number them, they would outnumber the grains of sand in all of the world. From the heart of God, he has beautiful, precious, inexhaustible thoughts regarding you. Regarding those you know. Regarding those you don't know. And he wants to speak those words to you. That they might be a blessing to you. He wants to speak those words to you through others. So that you might be a blessing, a comfort, an encouragement to them. But as long as we are hearing the voice of the accuser of the brethren. We will continue to walk and be awash in guilt, shame, condemnation, and separation. And we will only see others the same as we see ourselves or worse. James 3, I love this, beginning in verse 9, James talks again about the power of the tongue. And many of you know that the, the, the tongue will only manifest, it will only speak forth what is really in the heart. And James says, clear water and bitter water cannot flow out of the same stream. It's one or the other. Blessings or curses, you cannot have both flowing out of the same fountain. What flows in you will eventually flow out of you. Both the good and the bad, the holy and the unholy, the righteous and the unrighteous. You can be a flow as I have for so many years, of accusation, of criticism, of condemnation, of judgment that comes through the voice of the accuser. Or James says you can choose to be a flow of encouragement, of edification, of comfort that comes from hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, the harshest accusation, the cruelest judgment, the deepest wounds from the devil come directly toward us. When we have sin in our lives or there's an area that God's wanting to break in and kind of just begin to move in, God looks and he sees our struggles. He knows our failures. And yet God, he's so loving, he's so compassionate, he's so gracious, he wants to break in. And he, and he wants to lead us out of that brokenness. He wants to take us from that place of hopelessness and bring us to a place of hope. So there are times where, where God, his voice will kind of break in and God will begin to speak to us. And, and he may begin to bring conviction and again, that is just simply a recognition. When God convicts you, it's just this recognition that I'm doing some things in my life that are hurting me, hurting others. It's hurting my relationship with God. It's knowing and just coming to that place where you realize God's ways are so much better than my ways. While that voice is speaking to you, the voice of the accuser of the brethren will come almost immediately. And he'll try to lead you away from God. He's the father of all lies. There's no truth in him. But he'll come and he'll just begin to speak that voice of accusation over your life and try to convince you 
that you're beyond hope, you're beyond saving, you're beyond forgiving. And the thing is, he'll try to even convince you the voice you're hearing is the voice of God. He's an angel of light. See, if you're struggling with addictions, the voice of the Father may come to you in just this gentle kind way and he may just kind of give you that Bible verse from Ephesians 5.18 where it says don't get drunk with wine. It's going to ruin your life. Maybe if you've been doing it long enough you see the evidence of how it has ruined your life. And God's saying I don't want that's not my plan for you. That's not what I have for you. So what I have for you is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Father, he'll speak to you in, in, in a kind, in a very compassionate, in a gentle way. And, and it's just this longing, this beckoning as he's leading you out of this destructive lifestyle into something that is more constructive. He calls you out of that ruination of life and he longs to bring you into a place where he can begin to pour forth his blessings where you can actually be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of the Father. That's the voice of the Spirit. The accuser, however, he's gonna come to you and here's what he's gonna say. You're a drunk. You're nothing but a pathetic alcoholic. Look at you. You call yourself a Christian and you're drunk. You're an embarrassment to the body of Christ. And don't even bother repenting or trying to change your life. You've done that so many times and nothing ever comes of it. And God is so sick of hearing you tell him how sorry you are and how you're going to change. It's over. See, thoughts like that will come. And they come because the voice of the accuser of the brethren, he's trying to separate you away from the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father, again, is going to draw you towards him in kindness, in goodness, in, in repentance, just wanting to experience a change of heart, where the voice of the accuser of the brethren is going to attempt to separate you, to bring you to a place of guilt, of condemnation, of separation. And again, we choose, we decide which of those voices are you going to listen to. In order for me to more fully, clearly, and deeply hear the voice of the Father as I desire, as he desires for me. I had to ask God, shut off the voice of the accuser. And when I did that, it just went silent. Now, whenever and again, I started hearing that voice again this week, and, and I just immediately resisted, said, nope, I don't listen to you anymore. I listen to the voice of my heavenly Father. And I, and I said in that parking lot, I said, God, I want you, if I start listening to that voice again, God, I want you to bring a wave of conviction. If it has to come in the form of a two-by-four upside my head, so be it. I so want to walk in this. 
And so any time that that voice has tried to start to rev up in me again this week, I said, no, I don't walk in that anymore. That's not who I am. That is not who he has created me to be. I am his dwelling place. I hear his voice. A stranger I will no longer follow. Let me close with this story. At the end of the conference, we were given an opportunity to reflect on several questions. And the questions really were kind of designed to get us to kind of reflect and think about, you know, the, the things that God had done in our life. And so the guy had put forth three questions. The first two questions, I mean, I just had immediate, powerful responses to God. Here's what you did. And, and I mean, it was just very, very specific, and it just flowed um, out of me. The third question... Um, that he gave stumped me. And I mean, the first two questions, I mean, I'm just hearing God's voice. It's just like popcorn in there. I'm hearing, you know, this, this, and I'm just writing everything down. Third question stumped me, and I couldn't hear anything. The question was, Lord, and this, I'm asking this for myself. Lord, is there any truth regarding yourself that you were highlighting or, or trying to share with me. And as I listened and just reflected, nothing came to me. I was somewhat kind of disappointed about that. I didn't, didn't know why. It was interesting. I was sharing this with Jim last Sunday, and Jim said, you know, sometimes you just have to just get in that quiet place, and, and he'll tell you. I hadn't finished the story like I'm going to finish here for you with him, and he just confirmed, and, that, and I said, that's what I did, that's what I did, I want to tell you what he told me. So, end of the conference was uh, Saturday afternoon, so I get in the car, and uh, driving back home, and it, there was just so much that happened, you know, there was just a whirlwind of activity, just a lot of uh, uh, um, voices, you're hearing a lot of uh, uh, speakers, and I mean, there just was a, a lot of uh, just swirl of activity over the last week, and, and I simply just wanted to enjoy the silence of being in the car. And just not listening, having to listen to anything. And it was just a great opportunity to kind of just process, okay, God, you know, what are you doing? What have you done? What do you want me to take away from this? And so it was just a good time of just reflecting and meditating. But in the back of my mind, this question, that third question just kept popping up. Lord, what truth about yourself were you highlighting for me? Now, Somewhere, I think it was like in the last hour, I think I had just passed the Ames exit. And it's just very, very quiet in the car. And I heard his voice. Now, I, I have heard this before. I heard it here. And God said to me very, very clearly, you, and he's speaking to me, he's speaking this over me. He said, you are a friend of the bridegroom. Hear his voice and rejoice. It's like, wow. It was just amazing. And so I just started saying that. I am a friend of the bridegroom. I can hear his voice and rejoice. Now, if you're not familiar with the, the context of this, in John 3, John the Baptist, he says this in, in referring 
to Jesus Christ the Messiah. He says in verse 29, he said, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. See, believers are the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. And John says, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him, referring to Jesus, says rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. And then he says, so this joy of mine has been made full. When I heard those words in my spirit, man, as God spoke those words over me, you are a friend of the bridegroom. Hear his voice and rejoice. I don't think my car touched the interstate the rest of the way home. It was like chitty, chitty, bang, bang all the way home. I know someone's in there thinking, chitty, chitty, what, what? <laughs> you are a friend. And I just, I kept saying that back to him. I am a friend. Not, not in a braggadocious way, but just like, I am a friend of the bridegroom. I hear your voice. And I rejoice. Here's what I want to do. If you're like me, and you've been hearing the voice of the accuser of the brethren concerning those you know, concerning those you don't know, if you've been hearing the voice of the accuser of the brethren over yourself this morning, like me, God wants to deliver you from that. God wants to rebuke that voice. He wants to silence that voice over you so that you can hear the voice of your heavenly father. That you can hear the voice of your heavenly father as he begins to speak over you those precious, innumerable thoughts he has concerning you, concerning those you don't know and concerning those you do know. Now, this may just be my issue. Maybe none of you in here struggle with this. But I just invite you this morning, if you, like me, have been listening to that voice and you're ready to silence that voice, I'm just going to ask you this morning just to stand where you are and I'm going to pray over you a prayer of deliverance this morning that God would silence that voice. And in silencing that voice, I'm then going to ask the Father to begin to release his voice over you this morning. So if that is you, you just simply stand this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have revealed to us a truth regarding that voice of the accuser of the brethren. And God, many times I think maybe we've bought into the deception that we didn't have any choice. There was nothing we could do. There was no defense, but you are our defense. You are our deliverer. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, as you've done for me, do for them, I now rebuke and silence the voice of the accuser of the brethren over your people right now in Jesus' name. Voice, you go silent. We come out of agreement with you. 
we choose now to be a fountain of life, of blessing. We choose now to be a stream of encouragement, of edification, of comfort for your body. So, Father, we rebuke and we silence the voice of the accuser of the brethren over us, in us, regarding those we know, those we don't know, and more importantly, we silence that voice over ourselves. And now, Father, I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would now release the voice of the bridegroom over your bride, over your people, and that, God, as we hear your voice, that we will rejoice. As John said, our joy shall be made complete. It shall be made full. Father, I thank you as you spoke to that woman who had been taken in the sin of adultery. And Father, after you rebuked and you sent away the accusers, you said to her, woman, where are thine accusers? And she said, Lord, there are none. And Father, we stand this morning and we say regarding our accuser, the accuser of the brethren, he is no more. And we go and we sin no more because your voice, the voice of the bridegroom, has been released over us, your bride. And we thank you for that and we rejoice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That is good. Let me just pray this one other thing over you this morning as the worship team comes up. Father, I just pray over them right now, God, just a spirit of conviction, that beautiful, sweet, gentle, kind wave of conviction, God, that would come over me, that would come over them. Anytime, God, we begin to walk in agreement with that voice. Anytime, God, we begin to listen to that voice regarding us, regarding others, God, that you would just send a wave of conviction and immediately, God, we'll come out of agreement with that. And God, we will begin to walk according to your ways, your thoughts toward us, your ways, your thoughts toward others. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you'll make our hearts tender in that way before you, Father, as we begin to, to walk this out. And God, for some of us, it's going to take a while. We've been doing this for so long. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you're going to be patient with us in this. And, Father, I just pray you'll be patient with them as well. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.